Tolbert, the all-time leader in penalty minutes per game. And Marty McSorley, the man who was brought here to fill this kind of role when necessary, had just had one of the longest fights the NHL has ever seen. Bingo, here we go. Look up, baby. Tolbert's got the boxing gloves on. He is ready for Domi. Seven punches. Eight. Bingo, they were going at it. Bang, away they go. Tolbert came out ready for Domi. I'm going to tell you. Oh, smacked him again. And Domi's going with the left. Oh, smart. Tolbert switches to the left. Know that they have to win this hockey game tonight. Come on. In front, Robert scores! That took a straight hop. I think it was going back to the point. But Detroit will take it as Bob Kroeber drills it. Past the surprise Millen for his fourth goal of the playoff. He just wound up and let it go. The puck was rolling and he got it. Look at that thing. It hit something on the board. Actually, it was a backhand pass by Shabbat. That got out to Probert, who was alone about 20 feet out in front. And a few of the many strikers. Number 47 for Boston. Both guys, five minutes each for fighting! Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to episode number 35 of the Five for Fighting podcast. My name is Alec, your host, and this is the show where we focus on the players who drop the gloves and the fans who love to watch them do it. This one was kind of hush-hush. I haven't announced anything about it, but I uh, wanted to make it a surprise release as today is July 5th, which is the 10th anniversary of uh, Probert's passing. So I wanted to do kind of like a, a little Bob Probert special. So I had a couple couple of special guests on. I had fourth line voice, of course, old friend, and probably the most reoccurring guest I have, which is the original Enforcer podcast. So you guys can go check his show out. And I thought, what better person to have on for a Bob Probert special than, of course, his wife, Danny. And we talk about a lot of stuff. So we talk about um, you know what it was like watching Bob fight on the ice and uh, watching him do like WWE and stuff like that. And maybe like how, how Bob was right before the Domi fight and had a lot of fun talking with her. And uh, doing she's doing great things over there with the Bob Probert uh, memorial ride. And um, unfortunately, it was canceled this year because of, of course, with COVID and everything going on. But uh, they've raised a lot of money, and they're actually uh, naming a uh, medical institute um, after Bob as well, which I believe it's going to be a um, brain institution, which is awesome. Um, so, no, I had a lot of fun doing this, and, you know, I, like I said, I kept it kind of hush-hush. I didn't want to announce anything because I wanted to make sure everything fell into play, and I thought it would be kind of fun to give a surprise episode out today. No, I don't, normally, I, um, I never release episodes out on Sunday. As you guys know, I always release them on Tuesday, but... Um, like I said, I thought it'd be it'd only be fitting to kind of do a Bob Probert episode on the 10th anniversary of his passing because, of course, he's, you know, the greatest enforcer of all time. So it was kind of fun to go back and talk to Danny about it and fourth line voice because, of course, Probert was a before my time a little bit. You know, I vividly remember or not vividly, I should say, but I, I remember, you know, hearing about him because, uh, you know, growing up up in the Quad Cities, we'd get Blackhawk games and my uncle would always watch the Blackhawks and that's what he grew up as. Um, That's kind of who taught me about hockey. So we always grew up a, uh, a little bit of a Blackhawk fan. And, you know, what well, we'd watch games and I'd kind of remember hearing Probert's name, not really. Um, but for the most part, I think, you know, it's kind of he retired right when I started was like into that age where you can kind of start remembering things once you're at like about that five, six years old. Because um, I think Probert retired right when I was about 
three-ish, three-ish, four, something like that. So, um, no, unfortunately, I never really got to see him play. And uh, so everything I kind of go off of is based off of YouTube and what other fans have said. And, of course, with everything I've seen, it's no question that he's the greatest enforcer of all time and he even put up points and everything like that. So, um, no, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, we have fourth-line voice, and as I've mentioned before in the past couple intros, and we even mentioned it in this one, and it's funny, even Danny participates in it, is the Bob Probert Invitational. And that's where the 64-man bracket, I think we're under the, the semifinals now maybe, or something like that on there. Um, I'll have to double-check today. But a uh, 64-man enforcer competition of a bunch of different guys who fought in the NHL, and the fans kind of vote, and uh, there's some surprise upsets that always go on. And, you know, you can't make everybody happy, but it's named after Probert because, you know, if you threw Probert into the competition, he'd win every time. So it's only fitting that you got to kind of name it after him instead. So that was a good idea on fourth line voices part. And, uh, you know, we get into it at the end, uh, excuse me, the very end of our interview, but, um, you know, real quick before we wrap it up here, you know, well, one, thanks for both fourth line voice and Danny for coming on. It's, um, I didn't want to say I rushed it, but it was kind of almost kind of short notice at the time. Um, so I appreciate both of them being flexible and coming onto the show. Uh, well, you know, mo- mostly Danny fourth line voice is always flexible because <laughs> fuck him and I will go for about four or five hours on these damn things. We'll, we'll do an interview for an hour and we talk for, I think for the rest of it. Um, <laughs> but no, seriously, uh, to both of you guys, thank you for coming onto the show and, um, no, I'm making it cool and fun to talk about pro because like I said, it's for me, I'm, you know, I know I'm the younger generation per se, but, uh, you know, it's important to, I think, appreciate one of the greats in the, in the sports. So, um, no, it's a lot of fun. So real quick before, like I said, we get going, I just got to mention a couple other podcasts. So go over and check out Bobby Longgrass over at the bucket drop. who just had the LNH uh, top 10. He did the top five with Darren recently. And I believe he's actually getting Joe on from the Coliseum Chronicles to talk about Islanders and forces. So that should be interesting. Um, and speaking of Joe, he just had a two-part special or his two-part series with um, Aaron Asham uh, over at the Coliseum Chronicles, and he just recently released his um, merchandise store. So go check that out. And um, I'm about to order one actually right after this. You know, I had to wait and see what was going on this weekend before I placed the order just to make sure because we had a vet bill, unfortunately, for the dog. Uh, had a big rash and got a little bit infected, but uh, the ranger the mascot is all good now so <laughs> um no I'll definitely be purchasing a shirt um today actually right after this uh, right after this intro i'll go i'll go buy one um so go support joe he does a great job over there at the coliseum chronicles and um yeah just go check it out and i'm trying to work on a merchandise store myself you know i've got a couple designs i got the prototype shirt in so that was fun um and you know, I got got some good feedback, and I got a couple ideas of what I'm going to do. I've actually got a I'm trying to get a couple players involved to give like you know you know do like player design shirts, so they're on the shirt, and you can kind of support a player that way. And you know, of course, proceeds will uh, a portion of the proceeds will go to that player, um, of course, because you know not trying to make money off of them and not give them a cut. That's just unfair. So you know, I already got one player on board, and I'll let you know who it is. And it's a former. I'm trying to get a lot of the former guests of the podcast, basically. So I think it'd be fun. But the first one we got is old Curtis Swanson of the LNH, and so I got one. And it's uh, the picture of him, and he's fighting, and he's got, like, his his hand up to the ear doing, like, the WWE out there. Like, you know, let me hear you. So, uh, no, that's good. And, I th- you know, I'm going to get it up. And I'm um, waiting for this. Uh, I got to do a couple more, like, fine-tuning before I let the store go up live, I think. But, 
no, overall, I think it's going to be fun selling some merchandise, and I got a lot of great feedback on people for the shirts and everything like that, and, uh, you know, a decent amount of people who are interested, I think, and it'll really help support the show. Um, obviously, I'm not looking to be a millionaire off of it or anything, but, you know, if you can cover the Skype bill every month that, that I use to uh, keep the keep the show going for these interviews, it'd be great. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, last thing is go check out the social media outlets, of course. We got... Um, Five for Fighting Pod, which is just spelled out regularly over on Instagram, and I post a lot of fight videos there. Uh, just uh, the number five and then four Fighting Pod over on Twitter, and you know I post post there daily. Not so much the videos, but more so just uh, updates or you know bullshit with other fight fans there. And Facebook is the Five for Fighting Podcast, just spelled out all space normally like you would normally on a you know piece of paper. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, you know, everything's up to date there on the podcast. So, you know, when episodes come out and stuff like that. And last but not least over on Facebook is the Enforcer Appreciation Group. And that is, you know, a bunch of former players in there, uh, a bunch of fight fans. And it's all interactions and a bunch of videos posted, debates, stuff like that. A lot of fun. And we almost, we're almost up to 11,000 members now. So, um, it's a lot of fun, and most of the time, I say most of the time because I'm not trying to make any promises to you, but most of the time, everybody's pretty respectable. We get a couple jackasses, and they're removed right away, and uh, if, you, if you feel someone's out of line, just report the comment or something like that, and I'll typically remove them. There's no, you know, fucking, <clears throat> excuse me, there's no, like, you know, oh, yeah, you get, like, three strikes, and you're done. No, fuck that. It's, <laughs> I don't want anybody to be stupid on there and disrespect the guys who did the role, so um, now they're booted right away, um, but... Uh, yeah, just go ahead, do me a favor, rate and review the show. It really helps the podcast grow and, um, you know, will help the podcast come up in searches when people search like hockey podcasts or stuff like that. You know, we're up to almost, I think we got 30, 31 reviews now on Apple, which is pretty good. And, you know, um, it's funny because actually I was talking to Darren about this and, you know, you look on the chartable website and that kind of shows you where your podcast ranks. I think it goes by downloads and stuff. And typically we do pretty well. We're always in the top 100 for hockey podcasts in both Canada and the United States. So, um, Seriously, for everybody who listens to the podcast and supports the show, thank you. It's awesome. I, I never would have imagined that. But um, what's cool about it is I could see reviews from other podcasts. And I think it's like it's a certain different like subcategory of podcasts. Um, like it'll be Apple Podcasts, but like Canada or Apple Podcasts, uh, United Kingdom or um, stuff like that. And I could see those reviews too. So it's actually we actually have like 40, 45 or 46 reviews of the podcast now, which is pretty good. Um the podcast is about to turn one year old, so I think we're doing pretty good here for, you know, only being a year old for a hockey podcast. We're in the top 100 pretty pretty consistently, so, um, but yeah, go rate and review the show. It really helps. Go rate and review uh, all the shows, you know, the, the ones that I mentioned, too. It'll really help all the podcasts grow. Fourth Line Voice, Bucket Drop, Coliseum Chronicles, everybody, Um, but, you know, anyways, besides that, uh, without further ado... We will pass it over, and hopefully you guys are watching some awesome Probert fights and goals today as it is the 10th anniversary of his passing. So we will pass it over to Fourth Line Voice right now, and later in the episode, we will interview the queen, Danny Probert. So thank you guys for tuning in. Hope everybody enjoys and has a great holiday weekend. Thanks for listening, everybody. This should be good. This should be very good. All right, and today... On the Five for Fighting podcast, we have probably the most reoccurring guest, of course, and if you weren't tired of listening to him in the previous episodes, such as the LNA special, you get to listen to him even more now, and of course, that is Fourth Line Voice, and we are here to talk about the legend, the GOAT, the king of the NHL, Bob Probert, and so it is Darren from the Fourth Line Voice. Darren, how are you doing today, man? Excellent. Thank you very much for having me on. Oh, yes, the uh, back at her, back on the big show. 
I think the people are definitely sick of us by now. Oh, well, they got well, they're just, they're, well, I can tell you, they're just upset Dr. Chris isn't here. That's what it all comes down to. You know, he's turned like it was like the cult, like he was like the people's champ, like the fan favorite. After that, you know, <laughs> like every, oh, every yeah. time after that interview was posted, everybody just talked about Chris, disregarded you and me. It's like you and you and me weren't even there. It was just Chris nope. going off. Of course, after Wild Turkey had slapped him across the face in his uh, in his room, he was uh, getting after it a bit there. If that had been uh, uh, like a video, like podcast, like a vlog or whatever they call them. That would have been the greatest thing ever. If the people could have seen what you and I were seeing. Oh, man. Tremendous. <laughs> it's funny because I'm actually, that's one of my things I want to try to start doing is uh, get like, I got to get a better video recorder for this damn fucking laptop, but to get like a, uh, like a, I don't know, like a USB camera so I can actually like record the interviews in case I do like a Zoom call with players or something like that. But yeah, if they could have seen it, man, you and me were, it was like we were shooting craps on the back of 7 Eleven wagering if he's going to fucking go down or not when he was getting up. <laughs> To go to the bathroom or something, man. Oh yeah, do you step it out? You where where his ferrets were and oh yeah, tremendous. <laughs> oh, Love you, Chris. If you're listening, I know you're listening. You're tremendous. Oh yeah, you know yeah. Chris is listening. Well, you know he's got something in the back burner which we won't say in case it doesn't happen. But you know you might be hearing more of Chris soon on another podcast. So uh, hopefully, hopefully it ends up going through for you, man. And you know we'll fuck it. We'll be listening to that one for sure. But. Um, you know, we'll get into Proby, man. So you know, this is the Bob Probert special, of course. And, you know, after you, I got Danny Probert on. So that was really, really special to have her on as well. But, you know, we'll kind of start from the beginning. Of course, you know, me, myself, I was never, you know, old enough to kind of see Probert play. I think I might have seen him on TV, but that would have been like, you know, 98, 99. So, of course, I would have been too young for that. But, you know, Probert came into the league in the 80s. Do you remember when he kind of came into the league and what, you know, the the fight with Cox and everything like that you you know maybe you might not have seen it because of course back in the day there was no you know NHL network package or whatever to go see all the games so were you kind of hearing like some rumblings maybe of who this Probert guy might be yeah see that was the thing yeah especially back then because it, it was about 85 86 so I was like 10 11 years old so I mean it probably wasn't until like 12 13 14 when you can kind of start paying attention or whatever but um, and he was an OHL guy, right? So, I mean, we never, obviously I never saw him in junior, but, um, yeah, it was, uh, of course, yeah, the famous fight with Cox, um, of course, was on the Don Cherry Rock'em Sock'em video. So that's kind of the first uh, exposure to, to Probert. And then, of course, you know, playing being on Detroit, I mean, you'd see him on Hockey Night in Canada against the Leafs. So, of course, him and Wendell going to battle a few times, and you're like, who's this guy kind of beating Wendell up, right? Like, you know, and then and then you just start reading literature and, you know, the different hockey magazines that would come out and stuff. And it was, they're basically all saying, like, yeah, this guy's the, you know, the champ. Because well, at that time, he was still kind of, you know, first, second, third year player. But it was like, yeah, he's quickly becoming, like, the league heavyweight champ. And then, uh, yeah, and then it was, uh, of course, then the fateful, uh, the fateful uh, purchase in the back of the hockey news. Classified section of the hockey news. That's told that story many times, but that was the first uh, videotape I ever bought. Was the Bruce Brothers? It was a Joey Coaster and uh, Bob Probert two-hour VHS tape, and I think I, I I wore the reels off of that thing. I watched it so many times. Yeah, so that was uh, that was that was the introduction to to twenty-four. 
right on, man. And yeah, it's funny you mentioned the, the classified section. I couldn't imagine Ken Campbell even allowing something like that to be brought up in a fucking meeting <laughs> going on oh, about yeah. the hockey news. A heart attack, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. have just a fucking aneurysm about hockey fight tapes in the back of that thing. Um, well, so, you know, you'd, you'd see Probri with the Cox fight and everything on, you know, Rock'em Sock'em and everything like that. And you had the Bruce Brothers tape. What were some of the fights on there that you might have remembered, of course? Well, you said you wore the reels off the thing. But you get that for the first time, and you're seeing Probert, actually, because you get to see all of, his, all of his fight footage now as opposed to just maybe a couple clips here and there. You Because know, you tell he was just kind of something different at that time. Well, like you said, he, of course, beat Wendell, and you're kind of like, Ooh, who's this Who's this 24 guy? Who's this Proby? Um, but getting that tape, because you kind of tell he was a little bit different as opposed to the other enforcers at the time. Um, yeah, because he, he was bigger than everybody. Like, it seems odd when you say it now, because everybody looks, you know, because, I mean, shit, everyone's so big now. But but back then, like, I mean, he was 6'3". I mean, he was bigger. He was bigger than most guys. So it was, uh, and just the way he fought was just, uh, I don't know, it was, it was just like he was the Terminator. Just kept, get, he'd get hit and just keep, because, I mean, he... He ate a lot of shots too, but he—I mean—he would just keep coming, and he might even slow style. Like he'd be kind of wrestling, he'd eat a couple, and then he'd come back, and then he'd get the jersey off, and then it was like, you know, then it was like holding on to a bull at that point. But oh yeah, like early on that tape, oh yeah, I mean his fights with Bob McGill, um, Kevin McGuire, uh, well, and then you know you see him on these tapes cruising along, and he's sort of manhandling all these people, and then of course you get to the Todd Ewan fight. And he gets one punched. And it's like, holy shit. Okay, well, I guess he's human after all, right? When he got one punched by Ewan. But, of course, then again, he comes back in that same game and beats him at center ice, right? So it's like, oh, yeah, like this guy, even when he loses, he comes back and, you know, it, and it kind of avenges his loss, right? So, uh, and which which Probert ended up doing, like, his entire career, basically, um, you know. But, uh, yeah, just so many memorable fights. Like the Gary Nyland KO and just like, I think the fight that actually probably stands out to me the most early on was his fight with Bob McGill. And it's like, it's in Detroit. It's down in the corner. I can still, I can picture, I've like I've said, I've seen that fight a thousand times. And like, Prober's just, he's got him just stretched out, locked out, and he's just slapping McGill around. And, like, not landing huge KO punches, but he just keeps hitting him. And McGill's trying to hit him, and he's just missing Probert's face. And Probert's just leaning back, and he's got him locked out. And then every punch, he, he'd land one on McGill. McGill would try two. This It's like the, the cartoon when the big guy's got his hand on the little guy's head. Right. And the little guy's trying to hit him. It's exactly what this Bob McGill-Probert <laughs> fight looked like. And McGill's almost the same size, but it's just the way Probert just had him. And then it's like, okay, he's got his sleeve tied up. And it's like, I can remember the announcer is like, oh, look at that. So Probert can even punch him when he can't even see his fist. It's in his sleeve. And he's still knocking McGill around. And it was just the way he controlled him. And Bob McGill was a big, tough dude. It wasn't like he was a punching bag. But Probert just controlled him. And I think that was the biggest thing. It was just the control he had. Yeah, like you said, and he could take a punch too. And it's it's funny you mentioned that Ewan fight. You know, I don't think a lot of people think that happened, or like the rematch between them happened in another game. And of course, this would never happen today because when of course Probert got knocked out, um, 
he you know, he would have been taken off the ice and concussion spot or something like that. But of course, this is the '80s we're talking about, so that was uh, kind of unheard of back then. But yeah, he came back and he literally just fucking just laid the beats on you and after that and i remember the announcer even in that fight you know just oh payback time payback time and it's like you said he did it this whole career and we mentioned that with um i mentioned that with danny and she said the same thing you know yeah bob might have gotten beat a couple times but then he'd always come back for them so it's 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 crazy to me to even think that like just to be that tough of a dude to sit there and you get one punched by you and and come back and then you just pretty much beat the doors off him like is insane um and so it's and like you said too with how how big he was you know six three it might not sound big now but back then that was that was pretty fucking big you know the average tough guy was probably anywhere between what five ten six one somewhere around there yeah 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 so to have him be that big of a guy and you know this crazy fucking dude that just strings guys out and can punch him and take him is just insane so um no it's 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 crazy to even think about with the fucking Ewan fight but you know so you got the Bruce Brothers tape and everything like that and would you say maybe the well hold on one before we get going was the uh was the Domi fight on that Bruce Brothers tape or had that not happened yet no that hadn't happened yet no okay so well with the Domi fight did you hear of like any did you hear about that at all because that was like advertised like it was you know the heavyweight champion battle of the fucking world at the time Oh yeah, like that was all over the news, and uh, that was actually the front page of the hockey news. There again, if you really? believe it, the hockey news was the front page, <laughs> and it was like I can't, I can remember what. Oh, what was it now? It was like oh, a bite out of the Big Apple or whatever. It was something about the apple. That, well, obviously, the big New York City, right? Bite out of the, or worm in the apple. I remember it was something about that, and it was like oh yeah, a picture of Probert and Domi on there, and they talked about the build up for it and everything, and. Oh yeah, that was uh, that was a big deal. Yeah, for sure. And it's uh, you know I don't even think it would be well now you maybe get like Ryan Reeves versus like Ross Johnson or something. It's probably like the heavyweight matchup. But you know at the time that was like insane to think about. It was like the heavyweight fight because I think you and Steve had mentioned it before on your episode with him. I think you were going over the bracket or something. But the term like the heavyweight champ was actually never really used in in hockey until Probert kind of came around because he was just that dominant. Correct. Yeah, uh, yeah. I Before think so. that, you might have had like Ben Wilson ish was kind of the yeah. precursor, like Dave Brown. But I think like the heavyweight title, like the champ kind of term, kind of came around with Proby, from what I understand. Yeah, well, and I think at the same time that was sort of like right into that satellite era where now you could start seeing everybody. Like back in the seventies stuff, you didn't see ever the games or right or like even in us in Canada. I mean, other than hockey in Canada, we weren't seeing like philly versus chicago you know or whatever we weren't seeing those games so you know so you didn't you didn't understand like the world was it's just the world seemed so small right especially in like in sas like in a non nhl city so it wasn't like we were getting all these all the the inside gossip of the nhl right so you only just saw the news highlights and stuff so you're sort of isolated but um yeah once the kind of the 80, late 80s and the cherry video started and the grapevine and all that he he really exposed us to a, a don really exposed us to a lot more fighters and it's like oh cherry says this guy's tough holy shit he must be right so you know and then and then you just sort of as i got more into the hobby and this and stuff like that i, I started learning who more and more of these guys were 
But I was going to say before the Domi thing, the biggest fight was the Crowder. Oh, yeah. Troy Crowder, that was the big one because that was when, like, Probert got busted up and, and Crowder was bigger than he was. So it was like, holy shit, you know, and that was a big deal. And then, of course, Troy Crowder just, like, cruised through the league that year and it was just like who is this guy and he's just killing guys like one punch and chikrin and busting up probert and like he's just beating on dudes and it was like this guy looks indestructible and then of course that was the big showdown that was coming you know in detroit like probert was gonna have his rematch and at that point you know crowder is undefeated and all of a sudden it was like whatever it was the week or two before the big rematch kimball drops crowder and that sort of took all the mystique out of Troy Crowder. Darren Kimball buckled him. And it's like, oh, all right. You know, but, uh, I mean, we were pumped because we were big Darren Kimball fans. So we were, like, totally pumped that he buckled Crowder. But, you know, we always wanted to see Probert do it. Well, and Probert did do it in the rematch. But, yeah, that was a big deal. That 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 news was, uh, was big. Because that was funny because I was getting the hockey news at the time. Like, I don't know, my... Somehow I got a subscri- My mom knew somebody that had a subscription, and they would they would give it to me. But back then, it was like the hockey news wasn't the shit rag it is now. I mean, back then they actually talked about fighting and would, right. It was like the Bible, like they say. Yeah, yeah, and they would have like all, and that was cool because they'd have the stats from all the other leagues. So you're like, what's this East Coast league, right? This guy's got 400 minutes. This team's got three guys with 300 minutes. Who are these Raleigh Ice Caps that I'm reading about? <laughs> you know, why can't I get this footage? You know, yeah, but that's for another show. But, uh, yeah, but, I mean, that was where you got all the stats because, again, no internet or anything, right? You know, but, uh, yeah, crowd, the Crowder thing, that was kind of the first. That was the first because, I mean, the Ewan thing didn't really get talked about too much. But so the first kind of national exposure chink in the armor was the Crowder fight. That was the first guy that everybody kind of saw whip up on Probert, which wasn't true. It happened before, but that was the first time it was nationally seen. So, Right, and yeah. of course, he happened to step on the stick, and it kind of threw him off yeah. a little bit. So, And it was kind of funny because he also, you know, he ended up fighting Kimball after that too and ended up beating Kimball. So now it's, you know, he, I guess reclaimed the belt per se. Um, yeah. And it's funny that I think it was on, I think you posted the fight or something like that or um, on Twitter one time and it was Probert and Kimball or something like that. And somebody was like, Oh, Kimby, how'd you feel during this? And he's like, what's there to talk about? He beat the doors off me or some shit like that. No, it, well, no. I, well, you see, I wouldn't know what, hold on. It wasn't me that put that video. Oh, up, was it I, you? I, oh, okay. I'm I, th- would, I, I don't want to throw you under the bus then. I didn't want to embarrass Kimball. So I wouldn't put that. Right <laughs> but no, it was Steve. And he was, he did a write up on his website and it was, Kimball versus Probert, the, the series and breakdown. And Kimball replied, what is it a breakdown? He beat the shit out of me. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it was. <laughs> I think Kimball fought him like three times and maybe landed two punches in all three fights. Yeah, and Kimball, and I'm not, and that's not to knock Darren. I mean, he was a tough dude, and I love me some Darren Kimball, and he was awesome to watch, and he beat up a ton of dudes. But for whatever reason, Probert was his kryptonite. Like, and like, I mean, we're not even like fights weren't even close. Like, Probert just manhandled them. Yeah, unfortunately yeah. too. And I remember even the yeah. even the last fight Kimball had against Probert, where I think Kimball was in Phoenix for like a preseason game, and yeah. I think Probert might have even been in Chicago then. But he's still just fucking giving it to Kimball. So Kimball just could never get going against Proby for some reason. No. 
Oh, and he, and he but he wouldn't quit. He wouldn't go down. Like there's that no, one he fight. Never I did. I'm like, I don't know what the, I can't remember which fight it was. I don't know what the refs were doing, but they just literally stand there and Probert like just tees off on him. It's like six, seven shots right in a row. And Kimball's just not doing anything. And it's just like, and even the refs are just like, or even the announcers are like, okay, like, come on now. Like this guy's had <laughs> enough. Like, you know, but Kimball just wouldn't go down, but it just looks so bad. You know, especially when you're trying out and it's like, yeah, didn't make Phoenix. But yeah, no, you know, not and it sucks. Like I said, uh, we were huge Kimball fans, but yeah, he uh, just, you know, styles make fights and he just didn't match up well with Probert. No, and it's like that sometime, you know, and you get, you know, like you said, styles make fights. So sometimes it just doesn't pan out. Well, hell, like even even today with the, the on your Bob Probert Invitational is the uh, the what was it Parker and Twist. That one's hard to judge because they've only fought, I think, one time and nobody really came out a winner. I think it was most of a draw. If you can believe it, that was actually Scott Parker's first NHL fight. Oh, I believe it because it's Scott Parker. Yeah, well, it's just like, and that was right in Twist Prime. Oh yeah, killer Twist, and that's like your first NHL fight when you're 21. So you got a way to jump right into the deep end, you know. And he does well against them. I mean, like you know, it's kind of a draw. I mean, not much really happened, but I mean, he's right in there. He's not running or ducking from him, you know. And it's, you know, he's giving as good as he's getting. So yeah, that was. Uh, Pretty much a soft, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, and that was the one guy twist that was sort of like Steve and I talked about that too. I think him and Probert fought like four times, but every one of them sucked. Like, right, none they of the were fights never, were... They, yeah, they nobody really landed anything particular nah. to really call a winner on them. And of course, nah, I think well, then... well, Proby was over the hump at that point, he was in Chicago, right? Yeah, no, well, he fought him a couple times, he's in yeah, Detroit, right, he, fought right. him, he fought him in his prime. But it was just like they'd fall down or just yeah. somebody would lose their balance or step on something. I think Prober got his hand stepped on in the one fight. And it was just like, yeah, they just never had that signature Probert fight, you know, that he seemed to have with everybody. He just never had it with Twist. And it wasn't either of their fault. It was just, you know, just shit happens or you step on something. I mean, at the end of the day, you you are on ice and on thin blades. So, you know, shit happens. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately, they never got at it. Right. Well, you know, talking about winners and losers of fight, I got to ask your opinion on this. And I, I think I told Danny about this in the interview with her. But do you think Proby lost that very first fight he had with Domi? No. I don't either. I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I think it's because the thing about a hockey fight, it's, it's some sometimes it's aesthetics. Like, you know, people like if, if there's a takedown, oh, my guy won the fight. Eh, well, you know, he didn't really land all the punches. He got the takedown, but I don't know if he landed all the punches. But Proby happened to get cut in that fight. But I still to this day don't think he lost to Domi in that fight. But of course, you know, Domi being Domi, he's going to, sh- uh, you know, kind of ham it up a little bit and, you know, had the championship belt, you know, celebration going on and everything. But I still don't think he beat Proby in that first fight. No, and no, and you're completely correct with the, with the, it's all visual, right? Yeah. And Probert's bleeding and, and well, and then of course there's this little five foot eight sawed off guy that nobody knows who's doing the belt and whooping it up, cut the champ. Right. And it's like, who is this guy? You know, and it was like, that was a big deal. But yeah, aesthetically, well, it's like the famous Wendell Clark McSorley playoff fight that Leaf fans just hang their hat on that Wendell just destroyed him. You go back and watch the fight after Wendell lands the first two punches. Well, Marty lands about the next 18. Like, you know, like, oh, Wendell won. It's like, really? Okay. (laughs) You know, but I mean, but going off the ice, McSorley's busted up and whatever. So visually, Wendell did win. So I get it. But I mean, if you're going to go by like 
punch numbers and stuff like that. Well, McSorley wasn't even close, you know, but yeah, it's it visual. So that's what, yeah, with the Domi Probert thing. And of course with that, like I said, with such a size discrepancy, yeah. Fighting at that point, fighting Ty Domi is just a no win situation. Right. I mean, exactly. if, you, if you beat him, you're supposed to, if he beats you, you look bad. Right. You know, later, later on in his career, once he got his rep and beat up a ton of guys, you know, losing to Domi wasn't so bad. But at the time, when this, he's an unknown guy at five foot eight, it's like, yeah, you can't be losing to him. You know? For sure. Um, well, you know, you brought it up with McSorley, so I got to ask: Do you remember the very first time you saw that that Probert McSorley marathon fight? Yeah, yeah, it was on the well, it was on a Rockham Sockham tape. I believe. Well, I know it's on a Rockham Sockham tape. Say, yeah, I'm no, pretty I, sure no, it is Cherry, because, yeah, no, I, Cherry, pl- Cherry played it on Coach's Corner. Yeah. Oh, was it on Coach's Corner actually? Yeah. Well, he, it was on Rockham Sockham. Yeah. Well, as I well. have I have those. I have like the whole box set, so I'm almost positive it's on there because I remember. I think I've yeah, seen but it on that when time. it ha- the moment it happened, the next week Cherry played it on Coach's Corner between periods. Yeah. And, and he played the whole, and he is. showed the whole, th- and he played the whole thing, yeah. And I, mean, uh, I don't know how they went that long. I don't know how they did it. And Danny said that was her favorite fight of Bob. So I can't, you know, like she, she apparently she was actually in the stands for that fight too. I couldn't even imagine seeing that live. But I mean, what a tilt that is. And even you know, a lot of people like to talk about the code and whatever. And it's, yo, you're supposed to shake hands or you know, bum tap and bro hug after a fight or whatever. Um, and you never really saw that with McSorley and Provert because they were out there to win and they were there to do their job and call it quits after that. But even in that fight, there was like a, a little bit of mutual respect at the end of it. Yeah, that, I mean, in all the Probert fights I've ever watched, he's never done that any other time to anybody, you know. And uh, uh, neither, neither is McSorley that I ever saw. I might be wrong, but I never saw him do it. But, uh, yeah, for something like that, I guess it goes that long. And, I mean, he had fought Marty, you know, times before that. And, they, you know, both of them had just been in the league for so long. And, yeah, that was something, that fight, that's for sure. I know it took the whole coach's corner up. I know that, you know. but <laughs> Right. You know, you got like the five-minute segment for coach's corner, and it was taken up three-quarters of the airtime by just the McSorley and Probert fight. <laughs> yeah, the only other two fights I know that are that I think are longer than that are Bonvi and Vandebush and oh, that's a good Josh Ma- Josh Mazer and Chris Millette. Those are the only other two fights that I know that are longer than that one. Yeah, those are long. I remember even the, the Vandenbush and Bonvi fight, you know, the announcer's like, this is the longest fight we've ever had in Wachovia oh. Arena. Like, oh my God, that's a tough I one. A, I had a birthday watching that fight, yeah. <laughs> right. Well, if I can even imagine this, Vandenbush was on Chicago when Probert was there too, so imagine playing those two in the lineup. Oh, that one year of Chicago. Oh, yeah, it was like oh, Probert, Vandenbush, uh, Chris Murray. I think they had Chicone too, didn't they? Yeah, something like that. I wasn't. I think Sean Thornton was up with them for a little oh, bit. Oh God! I mean, it was a oh, just a was Strudwick on that team too? I he can't remember. I I feel bad because I had Volpat on the show and he was he Volpat was there briefly and he was saying how tough that team was. It we was almost talk- like a damn oh, L&H Mark, team. Mark Jansen's. Yeah, it was just like, oh, yeah. And then, of course, uh, Lauren Mulliken, the old Blades coach, was coaching them. That's probably why they were so tough. Lauren always liked the tough guys. So, Right. Yeah. So when when Proby got to Chicago, would you say 
because I, you know, I don't want this to sound in a bad way, of course, but you know, was that kind of starting to see his, I guess, the reign of terror kind of start, kind of slowing down a little bit when he got to Chicago? Uh, or maybe like a couple years after the after Chicago, like so he gets there maybe two years ish afterwards. Because of course, you know, it, with you know, you fight that many times and age gets to you, you know, your body's gonna start to wear down. A oh lot. yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just kind of. Um... I'm trying to get my. I'm, I'm reading his time or his fight cards. I'm trying to get my timeline right. I'm not like Steve. I can just rain oh, man this Steve, shit. Yeah, Steve will rattle this yeah. off in two seconds. You know the, the yeah. exact time of the fucking. Oh yeah, that back the fight in odd six when he fought. Uh, yeah, okay, Steve. <laughs> you know, yeah. No, well, because initially, because that would have been about. Yeah, it's like I'm looking here. It's uh, 95 when he goes to Chicago, because um, they had the lockout, or was he suspended? Or they had the lockout. Whatever, ninety five is his first year, so really ten years into the league, so that you know that puts him at about thirty years old, give or take thirty one, thirty two. So he's sort of kind of in his prime at that point, maybe a little out of it, but uh, but no, he's certainly not on the downhill slide just yet, because he has some big wins that year. Although at, the, at times, I will also say he looked very disinterested in fighting sometimes. Which like like when Chris Tamer knocked him down, it was like yep. Chris Tamer. Like no, not I. I actually I like Tamer, but I mean, really. But you just watch that fight, and it's like Prober has no interest in fighting him. I don't even think he throws a punch at him. And it's just like he did that a couple times that year, and it was just like, what are you doing? You know, like I I don't. It was weird. And then he but then he'd get fired up, you know, and he you know he had the he had the big fight with Reed Simpson. That's a really good fight, actually. Yeah, he put is. Simpson down, and you know, and then he had the big fight with Grimson, and you know, and just good fight with Langdon. It was just, um, yeah, it was just, it was weird. But yeah, no, he had, he still had, he'd have a glimpses in Chicago, but I mean, yeah, Father Time was starting to starting to catch up, you know. Right, of course. Well, ten years of fucking terror in the league, and. Oh yeah, running show—it's gonna wear on you, so it's bound to happen. No matter—I mean, happens to every guy. It's like the same with goal scorers. You know, they're scoring, you know, fucking 30, 40 goals a year. Then you know they're coming on the downhill slope and fifteen, twenty, ten goals. So it's the same thing. Um, but yeah, so he had that all. He also had that big fight in Chicago where he actually fought Scott Parker and knocked him yeah. down. Yeah, and like what Steve and I were talking about that—that that was really the only—that was that year was kind of his only real big bright spot was that year. That was 98, 99 when he put Parker down. That was about halfway through the year. And, uh, cause that was the year like Morissette, Moose Morissette buckled him. Oof. And, uh, which I, I know that one interview I have with Probert, he says that was the hardest he ever got hit was by Morissette. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, he had a really good fight with Patrick Cote that year too, but like a couple of good fights with Cote. But yeah, the basically that Parker fight was his really only big. He really looked like he was, I don't want to say shell of himself, but he certainly wasn't the champ anymore or anything like that. Like you could see, it was starting to, he was starting to fade, and we're kind of almost getting ready to go off into the sunset. But then the following year, ninety nine two thousand, he has the fucking pretty big comeback year. That's when he fights that. He had the really good fight with Engelstad in the preseason. Oh yeah. Then he fights. He, has a really good fight with Grimson. Another really good fight with Eric Karens, George LaRock, Belak, 
a couple times with Belak, Brashear, and you know, and he's and uh, and he's looking really good in all of them. And it's like, holy shit, he's back. That's ninety nine two thousand. I mean, at that point, what does he got to be? About you know, mid thirties. Yeah, something like and that. It, yeah, so it was just like. You know, and I mean, if you watch Probert's document, I mean, we're not talking out of school. I mean, Danny even says it in the thing. I think it's when you kind of start taking the steroids and stuff to, to like, you know, stay in the game. You know, it's young man's game, so he's got to try to keep up. I believe, you know, and yeah. Right. Yeah, well, the. Well, go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, I was going to say, well, there's nothing, and I've said it many times on this podcast before, and I think you and me both see eye to eye on it. Well, there's nothing wrong with taking steroids. I mean, they're, fight, they're literally fighting for jobs. So people who look down on steroids, you know, at the same time, go fuck yourself because you're not in their in their shoes. Um, but I, I will also say, and you and me talked about it a little bit before we got going, and, you know, Danny had mentioned this too. By that time, that the role of enforcer had changed from when he had first came into the league to that time. That was when like you and I had mentioned, the nuclear weapons were starting to come in. You know, Proby was 6'3", and at the time when he came into the league, that was huge. Well, now you're getting Scott Parker, you know, like 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, George LaRock, these just fucking huge, huge guys. And so the fighting became more specialized than guys, because Proby could play the game, too. That was the thing. And, you know, you and I had talked about it before. Proby would put up the fucking points, too. He'd put up the pims and the points. So you get these guys who are just specialized in fighting, and they more so focus on that as opposed to playing hockey, which, you know, people out there, they could, you know, say it's a good thing, say it's a bad thing, whatever. Um, but it was like almost like the changing of the guard, I guess, like this whole new era of enforcers was coming into the league. Oh, yeah. No, exactly. And it was just, uh, yeah, like you said, nuclear weapons. And, uh, yeah, and he just wasn't the big guy anymore. He was just sort of... Uh, yeah, like even you look. Yeah, like you said, Cote, Warrell, Brashear, all you know, Grimson. I mean, all those two was kind of around the same. He's he's the same age as Probert. He's just like a little old. bit later, I think. Yeah, but I mean, taller. You know, he's taller than Probert. I mean, but Eric Karens, yeah, Larock, Belak, all those guys, McKenzie, they're all bigger than he is. Reed, you know, so yeah, I mean, he's starting to. He's not the big dog in the block anymore and mid-30s. And like you said, the mileage put on that body, you know, and, and like I said, we're not saying anything, you know, that nobody, you know, doesn't know about. But, I mean, you know, obviously off-ice activities, you know, right. would have started, would have hindered them as well. And, yeah, I mean, you know, just father time, right? And, uh, yeah, so this is kind of, you know, the begin the beginning of the end, sort of the late 90s and, early 2000s i always say like that preseason fight with eric bolton in 2000 i always say that's probert's last great fight and him and bolton had that big long minute long fight and and again eric bolton young kid trying to make the name for himself and takes on the old and that was the one cool that's the one thing i always respected about probert he always gave everyone a shot yep all the young guys like i mean he gave malice shot the year before and, you know, Terry Virtue the year before that, Sasha Lakovic, uh, Morissette, you know, well, uh, Patrick Cote, when Cote was in Dallas, first coming up in the preseason. You just look, here's another one, Phil Crow, Bonvi, Doty Wood. I mean, he gave all those guys the shot, right? And he didn't need to. Who are they? Yeah, he had nothing time? to prove at that time. 
No, I mean, he's the man, right? So he, he could have just blown him off. And I mean, you hear stories about that all the time. Well, like you said, the video you put with your interview with Yablonski, when he's trying to get Brashear to fight, and Brashear's like, who are you? Go away, you know, and whatever. I'm not saying that Brashear, oh, he's the only guy that ever did that. No, like tons of guys do that, right? But Probert never did. He always gave everyone a shot, you know, and uh, I always respected him for that. Right, and I think you have the video up on your YouTube, of course, the extra with Last Gladiators and Pro Re's interview there. And, you know, he mentioned it in there. Every time, even in his later years, he'd be lining up for a face-off and some hungry kid would come up and, you know, oh, give me a shot of the title, Pro Re, come on. And he'd be like, all right, kid, well, you know, we'll do it. So he never he never strayed away from that, and he'd always gave people a shot, like he said. So it's something very respectable for him. And he even, you know, of course – some people might not know this, but with the Joe Kosher story when he wasn't with Detroit anymore, um, and he kind of rained terror on Detroit while Proby was in Chicago because Joe was looking for a spot to get back into the NHL, and he just went ape shit against Detroit and actually got Joe Kosher a spot back in the Red Wings roster. Yep, exactly, and then fought him. Yeah, yeah. and then they fought. <laughs> yep, exactly. And, uh, you know, with Jody Shelley. Fought him three times in one game, Ooh. you know, when Shelley came up with Columbus. I mean, it was, uh, yeah, Kevin Sawyer in Anaheim. Yeah, Hortichuk. I mean, he gave all those young guys a shot, so. For sure. And, you know, so real quick here, you know, you actually are doing something right now, and I've mentioned it before on the podcast, um, some of the intros and stuff, but you are doing something right now that is called the Bob Probert Invitational. And for the people listening that might not know what that is, go ahead and explain to them what it is. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it, it's a Twitter tournament that I put on. It's like a March Madness style bracket that was 64 guys. And uh, it was started four years ago on Twitter when a follower of mine, Taylor and I, we're doing some <laughs> drunk talk late at night. We're just bullshitting back and forth. Wait, you were doing drunk and, talk? I'm shocked. I know. it was. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, and he just kind of, I don't know, I was, and it was right around March, I guess. Or I, we were talking about the March, the March Madness bracket that I would, you know, because I always like to play the basketball tournament bracket. And uh, I said something about, oh, you should do a fighter thing. That'd be funny. Uh, you know, oh, yeah, you totally got to do that. And we kind of talked about it and. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. You know, and I was just kind of, yeah, I kind of blew him off. Well, the next morning I get up and I go and look at my direct messages. He's already sent me a list of like 64 guys. Yeah, here you go. You got to do this tournament. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, he was, uh, I wasn't serious, but he was. Okay, well, may as well. And uh, yeah, so I put it together. And and I knew if I put Probert actually in the tournament, he would win. Everyone would vote for him. So it was like, well, I don't want to do that because then that's not really any fun. So it's like, I'll just name it after him. That makes more sense. He's the king. Everyone knows he's the king. I'm like, yeah, all right, I'll name it after him. That'd be cool. So I, I just did it and uh, put it on Twitter. And man, oh, man, it took off. As the kids say, it blew up my account. It was because uh, we had the, kind of a decent size following at that point. But I mean... I did that first one and it was unbelievable. I think I gained like a thousand followers from it. It was just like, cause no one had ever done it before. And uh, it was in the right time. It was in the summer when no hockey was on and uh, people were just itching to talk about something. And uh, yeah, it, it blew up. And so from there, I mean, I've done a lot of different Twitter tournaments, but every year I've done the Probert one and this year is the fourth one. And 
yeah, I kind of try to mix up. You know, you still have your same core guys. You know, Domi and Marty and Brashear and all those guys are always going to be in it. But, you know, <clears throat> you try to change out 10 or 15 different guys each year. And I get yelled at on Twitter by numerous people about who's not in it and who's in it and whatever. But overall, it's still fun. And uh, unfortunately, they're not doing the Bob Probert uh, motorcycle charity ride this year. But the previous years with the with the Twitter tournament, I tried to do it around the same time to sort of uh, and kind of get draw awareness to the ride as well, and uh, just get people just get the name Bob Probert out there, people talking about him, and because uh, it's always been really popular on Twitter, and the real co- the really uh, cool thing about it is Danny really likes the tournament. Yes, she does. And, yeah, and I've talked to her about it. She was really excited that I did it the first year and was, you know, honored that I would name it after Bob. And, you know, and his daughters are, you know, retweeting stuff and they're into it. And it was like, so that was really cool. So as soon as you get her, you know, Danny's endorsement, basically, it's like, all right, well. You're doing you know, something right. Exactly. Yeah, so, you got the queen endorsing you. Exactly. So that was really fun. That's really cool. And she's so nice and talked to her privately a couple times. And it was just, uh, you know, to have, uh, yeah, it's to honor him. And, uh, and like I said, and if it brings, uh, any little bit of attention, it brings to the ride, I think is also a good thing. And, uh, yeah. And it's, um, yeah. And it's just sort of gotten a life of its own. And like I said, this is the fourth year. And, uh, and like I said, the, uh, the, the, um, reception to it or the, you know, you know, you get the you have people voting and every once in a while it gets, you know, people, you know, uh, Twitter goes to get the Twitter arguments going and somebody, oh, this is this results bullshit and whatever. And but I think for the most part, people are pretty respectful and uh, everyone's so I'll get a yahoo. But for the most part, they're pretty respectful. And I think it's to me, the real fun part has been when the when the ex when the players get involved, like when a Darren Kimball or, a, you know, or a Reed Lowe or somebody that's actually in the tournament in the matchup talks about it. Right. And like this year, Todd Fedorik's kind of been all over the place with it. And even when he, even when he was fighting Ben Wilson in the last round, Todd Fedorik said, I'm voting for Ben Wilson, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was pretty funny. And Cam Jansen's was upset. He drew Jim McKenzie in the first round. Oof, that's a tough matchup. Yeah. Yeah. He got killed. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but no, when you see those guys having fun with it and, uh, and talking about it, it's, it's, it's cool. So no, it's been a real fun, uh, fun thing. And, um, yeah, every year I look forward to it, you know, we'll kind of do it in July and, uh, um, you know, late June, July. And, uh, you know, it's been, it's been a lot of fun for sure. And it's funny cause I, you know, people listen, you'll hear it with uh Danny segment after this, but yeah, she's still, she'll vote in the damn thing. And, you know, she was like, Oh yeah, I gotta, she's like, I, thanks for reminding me. I gotta go vote in this thing after this interview. So she's going yeah. on, she's probably already voted in it and she'll, she'll go through each matchup and be like, Oh, that's a no brainer. Oh man, this one's tough. And you know, this and that. So she'll, she'll even get in there and vote. So it's awesome that the, you know, even the Probert family is getting in there and uh, involved with everything. Like you said. No, yeah, absolutely. That's the biggest thing. And, um, yeah, and uh, for her to, like I said, kind of endorse it and be behind it, that was, uh, like I said, that was all I needed to to hear to go forward with it for some more. And, and hopefully, and like I said, what, what I'd like to do sort of in the future, and I know you and I have kind of talked about merchandise and making T-shirts and everything. I've kind of designed up a Probert kind of logo. It's a It just says Probert Invitational. It's got a headshot there. I think that would kind of make like a cool shirt. So oh, I kind of, sure. I would find yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind doing something like that, and then you know, proceeds can go to the ride or something. I think oh, that would be that'd be that, awesome. 
Yeah, I think that'd be kind of fun. And I think with the hopefully with the amount of uh, attention that the tournament has brought, um, you know, hell, if you can get a fraction of the people voting to even buy a T-shirt, you know, we could make some pretty good money. So um, I think that that's something to definitely look forward to in the future. So, yeah, that should be fun. For sure. And they've done such a good job over there at the um – the Bob Probert, uh, you know, memorial ride, and they've done, they've raised so much damn money over there. It's been awesome. So that would definitely be cool, especially to get some proceeds over there and even help out. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of enforcers even help out there. You know, you've had, I think, Domi and uh, Darren McCarty, Scott Parker have all kind of been involved over there. So, no, that'd be cool. Yeah, you got to let me know if those T-shirts ever come out. We got to definitely... Like, of course retweet and everything like that but i'll definitely be buying one or maybe maybe if the fiance is lucky i'll get her one too if she's lucky oh yeah absolutely hey <laughs> Chris, christmas comes early yeah yeah exactly that's see that's the gift that keeps on giving the whole year clark yeah exactly <laughs> well it's either that the jelly of the month club or a bob probert invitational t-shirt can't go wrong. Yeah, yeah we gotta get some. We gotta get some merch going here, man. We I know do. we keep well, I talking got, about. I got it, the. I got. I got Curtis Swanson's approval for his one for them. Uh, that modern, the, the cowboy, of the modern day. I thought that would be funny to kind of get a little, uh, little some some eighties hair metal quote in there. But um, yeah, I got his approval. So hopefully we can get some more out there and we'll get some fucking merch going. Um, but real Curtis quick, Curtis Swanson, Curtis Swanson and Tesla. How can you go wrong? Exactly. <laughs> um, but real quick, man, before before I let you go, and I mean, you know, I, I probably should have fucking gone over this before you, but again, real professional podcast I'm running over here. Uh, I would like to get your top three Probert fights of all time, whether it's your favorite or how you rank it as, you know, the greatest fights of all time, or like I said, just personal favorite, doesn't matter. So what would be your number three Probert fight? Mm, okay, well, I'm just going to go by, like, favorites, I think. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I would. I would say. I would say number three would probably be the Bolton fight. Like I said, that's kind of that's Bob. That was it. That's Probert's last stand. That's the swan song. Sort of. Yeah, I th- you know, I know he played. You know, the year after and stuff, but it was like that was his last great fight to me. So I think that one would be. Yeah. Well, there you go. Number three. Number two. Probably the Domi rematch. Yeah, it's just it's I, hard to I, beat. I, I mean, I grew I grew to be a big Ty Domi fan, but at that time I hated him. <laughs> I know you did. <laughs> yeah, because I'm like, who is this goof? Like, you know, because uh, leading up to that, I had seen a bunch of Domi fights when he was with the Rangers. I don't think he won any of them, but after every one of them, he's doing the belt or the speed bag, the thing. speed bag thing, going oh, into the and box and just fucking hamming it up. And that was the thing. Up until then, I had never seen anyone do that before. And it was just like, who is this idiot? You know, I, looking back on it now, I, I totally love that shit. But back then, <laughs> right. I hated it. And then, of course, it was to Probert, too, which made... And it was like, but you lost. So that'd be the one thing if you pounded the guy and you did the speed bag thing. It's like, yeah, all right. But you lost, and you're still doing it. Which made him even more of a villain, which actually, looking back on it, was like a perfect, perfect cinema, right? You know, but... Uh, yeah, so when Probert like basically beat the tar out of him in the second fight, that was and Eiserman's doing the belt thing on the bench and everyone's basically giving it to him. Yeah, that was uh, that was awesome. Oh yeah, for sure. And, uh, like, I've mentioned it before, but you know it's funny because like how like non animated Eiserman is or like so humble, and he's over there stands up like on the actual bench just to sit there and do the title belt to Domi when he's going into the box, man, and just the general hype around that. I don't think there's ever been more hype for a hockey fight. 
no. than that than that one because that's all no. I, that's all I can think about. Like, like I, I, I'm well, of course you know I'm, but younger. Um, so obviously I was never alive for that fight. But it's just cool to like the atmosphere around it because, like you said, you didn't have the internet or anything like that. So you, it wasn't ready at the drop of the hat to just go. Oh, let me go YouTube Probert and Domi. So it was like this big rumbling around the hockey world. And if you were a hockey fan, you heard about this this Domi and Probert fight, this rematch that's going on. And you had said like it's talked about in the hockey news or um, like newspapers and headlines going into that game. So it's like literally it was like a pay-per-view event, which is just fucking awesome. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, we were in high school at the time, and it was just like, oh, yeah, it was the talk of a hall. And, or in the, <laughs> in the lunchroom at the break there, we were all talking about it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Actually, now that I think about it, I'll still have Bolt at the number, but the honorable mention to this was the uh, Probert McGuire. When McGuire goes after Iserman. Oh, yeah, then, yeah, yeah. And, he and just... then Probert slaps Barrasso around, and then he just waits like a shark. Yeah, that's just a good one. waiting for McGuire. And and then he he does that sliding punch in there, and it was like there was no stopping Probert. Oh no, he was going to get there, and even Barrasso was sitting there, and he's kind of like, you know, oh, you know, Bob, don't do that. Just smacks the mask right off of him. Like, get the fuck out of here, dude. Like, this is this is happening. Just let it yeah. happen. And then, yeah. like you said, McGuire's just sitting there, and it's like the perfect way to describe. It. He's like a shark in water, like just blood infested waters there, and he's just circling, circling, waiting for it. And he finds oh, out yeah. an opportunity, leans down, and just fucking smacks him. And again, uh, I'll bring this up because you know, you and I have said it before. There's a difference between being a good fighter and a good enforcer. And Proby was the best of both he was an awesome fighter and he was an awesome enforcer so it's yep. you know he had, he had the best of both worlds with proby there and you know if he touched eisman you were going to pay for it and he definitely made mcguire pay for it oh just yeah well that was at the balls of mcguire to even do that to go after <laughs> right. eisman like that and i love kevin mcguire he was awesome and like fearless the guy could fight too but yeah that was a ballsy move that night but that was the thing back then nobody messed with eisman Right, as I as as I tried to point out to Stevie Dangle, but uh, Stevie knows. Oh yeah, he'll show yeah. you the the one time he was hit and see see people mess with him. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, the one time in ten years, but oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, right. But yeah, that. Stevie but uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, watching Probert just waiting for him was something. Even the announcers were like, "Yeah, here it's coming." Oh, yeah, there it is. There it you is. Yeah, well, he's going to get a couple games for it, but he got him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah, that's a good one. Dad. I almost forgot about that one. That's good that you mentioned that. Fuck, I got to go look that up afterwards because like, it's, it's just fucking hilarious. Uh, you couldn't even imagine if that happened today, the suspension people would be crying for for that one. Just touching, oh, the, just touching Barrasso alone, like when Thor oh, hit. Oh, yeah, goon, was, they'd want to throw him out of the league. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, they'd be all mad. They'd block each other on Twitter and. Yeah, oh, they'd be oh well, that's the thing. It, it wouldn't. It wouldn't happen. No, all the all all that would have happened. If it would have been. Uh, Probert would have went to the press and told him how he's gonna. How there's gonna be consequences next game, you know? Oh yeah, that's what would have <laughs> happened nowadays. Oh, they'd yeah. have some savage chirps. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> savage bro, put on my violent gentleman's hat and off I go. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny too. It's in the violent gentleman. Didn't pro like? Well, I've seen it on eBay, maybe of course, because every once in a while I'll look up some Bob Probert shit, seeing if there's some shit to get for like the the man cave. But I think he had like his own little like Bob Probert apparel line, like at the Joe or something like that for like the team store. Have you ever seen any of that? Well, I remember got, there was a 
there was a there was an old Bruce Brothers shirt. I He's know that. He's got one where it's like, oh, maybe I'll have to send a picture of it to you. Fuck, I should have asked Danny about that. Um, but it's like it's got like the it says like the Terminator on it, and it's got like. You know, Probert's there, and he's got like there's like like borderline like cyborg stuff on, and it says like Bob Probert clothing or something like that. So I'm not, I, he may have had, had his own little I don't know, like player line or something like that, which would have been fucking awesome. And all of that stuff is like stupid expensive on eBay because of course you can't get it anywhere, and it's Bob oh, yeah. Probert. So, uh, but I, I want to say he did. Maybe I'll have to look it up after. Oh, no, maybe but, I don't know. Um. Well, anyways, man, number one. What is your number one Probert fight? Oh, of all well, time? I mentioned it while I was scrolling through it, so it's sort of anticlimactic. But I have to go when he fought my boy Mad Mel. When he, when Engelstad fought Probert, that was my number one favorite fight because it was like I knew how what a big deal that was to Mel, and because um, Mel Probert's Mel's all time hero. And uh, like you asked Mel Engelstad, what was his career highlight? He'll tell you fighting Bob Probert. And uh, after that fight, you'll see when they're in really close, Engelstad says, thank you, Mr. Probert. That's what he said to him when they're face-to-face, Yeah, when they're breaking the fight up. He was so pumped. That's awesome. Yeah. And, of course, well, a guy like Mel, too, just grinds it out in the minors for so long and gets a couple shots with the preseason or, you know, a couple <laughs> games with the Capitals. Um you know, and it would, Mel is another one of those guys. He very well he could have been an NHL heavyweight, like for sure. Oh, completely. Well, and that proved it. Oh yeah, right. That there. game, and that was the thing because leading up to that, Mel had the rep as the minor league legend, had cruised the IHL, had a million fights, and it was like you always wondered how could he do, because he never got a chance, right? And it was like, and then all of a sudden here it is, against the prime Probert, and like, and he's right there with him, and he's and it's not like Probert beat him up like it's a fairly even fight like i wouldn't say probert won i wouldn't say mel won mel no, didn't it's win, gonna, yeah, chop it up as a draw yeah you know and then and then later in the game mel fights reed simpson too you know and then and <laughs> he did really mel good in that oh yeah and it's like yeah so there's like two top 10 guys and mel's right with them so it's like yeah he could hang with them he proved that you know so it was always uh yeah, if it's too bad Mel didn't get more of a shot in the league because it would have been nice to see him go through the league and how he'd face against it, like a Grimson and all Baruby and all those guys and Domi and stuff. It would have been interesting to see Mel against those guys. But yeah, him fighting and standing there with Probert and Simpson, he, he proved he belonged anyway in terms of toughness. Yeah, for sure. And again, going back to like, you know, how Proby would give all these guys a shot. That's even preseason. Like he had nothing to prove at all at that exactly. point. And, you know, he still give still give Mel a shot. So that kind of shows like what kind of guy Probert was. Yep. So Absolutely. But, well, fucking hey, there you have it, man. A little bit of a Bob Probert special to start it off here with a fourth line voice. And of course, coming up next we have Danny Probert. But uh, you know, Darren, I can't thank you enough for coming on, man. It's always a always a pleasure to have you on here. You know, you might tank my ratings and ruin the show, but you know, hey, it's oh. fun. Well, you're going to need Danny to definitely pull it out of the sewer, that's for sure. Well, why do you so, think I'm saving the best for last year? I was going to say, yeah. That, yeah, I could, yeah, exactly. If you, if you had had her on first, I would definitely be uh, I'd be fast-forward material. Yeah, well, yeah. I was going to say, they'd fucking tune right out after I'd sh- her interview's done. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, man, I can't thank you enough for coming on again. And you know, I'm sure you know I'll be on your show or you'll be on mine again in the future. It's you know, the usual, and we'll sit there and bullshit back and forth on Twitter probably later tonight even <laughs> oh yeah well we got a, I got a bitch to somebody exactly we both got to do our bitching about the podcasting and shit like that <laughs> yeah you people out there listen damn it yeah, yeah no kidding you don't know the grind that goes into this shit <laughs> no exactly 
Oh, yep. man. Well, fucking take it easy, man, and thank you for coming on, and always a pleasure. No, the pleasure is all mine, man. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Have a good night. You too. The very special guest we have today on the Five for Fighting podcast, we have the woman who is married to the greatest of all time, Bob Probert, and he is regarded by the king by many, so that would make her the queen, and that is one Mrs. Danny Probert. Danny, how are you doing today? I'm fabulous, thanks. I don't think I've ever had that title before. I like it. There you go. I'll well, take there it. You go. It's first for everything. Thank you so much for that introduction. That was awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, sit down and talk about Bob a little bit. And I was uh, wanted to get this special out. Hopefully, I can uh, get a couple interviews in and get this out on, of course, July fifth, which is the anniversary of his passing. Unfortunately, but um, you know, I wanted to make this podcast to kind of appreciate him, and because uh, I think people today, of course, that watch hockey, they don't quite know exactly how good of a guy Bob was at his job and. Um, he's still regarded by many, even players today, as the best enforcer of all time. So um figured what better person to get on than the uh, woman he was married to. Oh, gee, thanks for having me. <laughs> for Love sure. following you in the Twitter world and everything. So it's uh, it's exciting to be chatting finally in person. So this is great. Absolutely. I appreciate you following the account. Um, so, I, you know, I guess we'll start from the beginning. So you actually met Bob while you were working at a hotel, correct? Ooh, you did your homework, yeah. I was, uh, he was on a little hiatus in the Red Wings working on his work visa and having some issues with the border at the time. So he was staying at the hotel that I was working at the front desk. Yes, uh, back in 88. Ooh, long time ago. <laughs> 88. I wasn't even born then. I was born in 96. So there you go. <laughs> okay, you can't be saying stuff like that, okay? Uh, you, don't look, you don't look a day over 20. You don't look a day over 20. It's all good. Okay, I'll take it. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, you know, when you met Bob, did you kind of. Well, obviously, you grew up in Windsor, so did you watch hockey a lot growing up at all? Um, yes, and the thing is, I grew up in the... I'm from Windsor, and then I moved away. Parents separated that story, blah, blah. But um, when I lived in Toronto with my mom, I'm almost embarrassed to say this. I don't know. I was a Leafs fan because I was in <laughs> Toronto. So, yeah, but it was awesome. It was the era of, you know, Lanny and... And Daryl, and it was awesome to be a fan of, yeah, watching hockey then. And we had Peter the Puck and all the awesome things when I was a kid. But then moving back to Windsor, I mean, I followed it. We're Canadian. We're, you know, kind of born with skates on, and uh, it was there. But I didn't um, didn't follow players and stuff like that and any particular team when I was younger. So just followed whatever my grandparents watched. Right. So did you did you have any idea the kind of player that Bob was when you had met him for the first time? Nope. Not at all. No idea. <laughs> you just saw this good-looking no. tall fellow walk in, and you said, I like him. <laughs> he really was good-looking in his acid-washed jeans, his distressed leather jacket, bomber jacket. Yeah, and he had the full mullet going. Oh, yeah, the really beautiful mullet. It's funny. The mullet's kind of coming back these days, too, which is funny to I see. I think – I know. It's a COVID thing, I think. I was going to grow one, too. I totally was. I'm guilty of it. I was going to grow one, but it's just too damn hot down here in Florida, so I was like, I got to chop it off. <laughs> Oh, good call. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, yeah, you're, I'm sure your fiance agrees. So, okay. <laughs> exactly, exactly. She was like, "You are not having that for the wedding." I said, "Yeah, I know." <laughs> but um, yeah, that'd be a deal breaker, right? <laughs> so, you know, you you meet Bob and you're kind of you know going on dates and everything with him. Did he ever like you know invite you out to you know one of the games or give you tickets by any chance? Of course. Um, in the beginning, he wasn't playing. I think the first month or so. I think he was on what it was an issue with the border or something. 
um, or he was suspended. I can't remember, but he was practicing here in Windsor um, at the old barn where the Spitz played. And um, I remember him inviting me out to that. We were going to grab a bite to eat afterwards. And that was the first time I saw him on skates and no teeth. And he skated up to me and that was horrifying. But then <laughs> he's like, I think like six, eight on these things or something ridiculous, six, seven. And like I said, without his two front teeth in there, I was like, oh boy, what am I getting signed up for here? And, um, you know, we did some stuff around town locally and then he got back into playing in December, I recall. And, um, it was a couple of weeks in that he, then he offered tickets up for my dad and I had to go to a game and funny story. The first time my dad was really, really meeting Bob, we were at a game and it took him, I mean, he usually was the last guy out of the dressing room. He was in no hurry. But to do anything other than just hanging out there. But he'd come out last, and this night he was really long getting out, and um, it's because someone threw his teeth out. Oh, <laughs> the garbage, he had to go rummaging <laughs> through all the garbages to find his teeth because he didn't want to meet my father without his teeth. And so um, that was, uh, yeah. So after that, I should have gone to the games regularly and uh, getting a taste of the, that, that world in the Joe at the time. So it's pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, absolutely. No, no kidding. Got to find his teeth. That's funny. Um, yeah. You know, so you see him fighting and everything like that. You know, what, do you remember the kind of the first fight you saw Bob in by any chance? No, I no. really can't. I think you're the first person who's ever asked me that, and I never really gave it some thought on it. No, you know what? I don't know. And I'm gonna, honestly going to the games was more of a social event. Right. I really didn't pay attention much in the beginning. It was like getting all dolled up and meeting people and hanging out and stuff. And so it took a little while for me to really get the hang of that whole hockey world and, you know, being a hockey girlfriend and then, you know, eventually being a wife. But I remember, um, oh, vividly, I remember the hype for the Domi fight, of course, and we'd been living together for about a year then. So that was, that really stands out in my mind for that one. But other than that, no, I think I felt so confident in him that I really didn't get nervous watching that was another question i was gonna ask were you ever nervous for it well it's funny because i'm sure you're still nervous for him even though you know he's beats the brakes off of guys all the time but it's, it's still got to be a crazy feeling seeing your well at the time your boyfriend but the, your husband fight you know yeah i like i said like in the beginning and, and being the girlfriend and stuff oh my gosh i was such a flake like i was just <laughs> like okay yay night out okay what are we doing and hanging with the girls in the wives room and all that stuff and um, I pay attention to the game. I think it was more about yeah, wanting, you know, his ice time and winning and, you know, awesome plays, getting a goal and assist and whatever. So I don't remember his first fight, but I really am going to research this. That is a great question. <laughs> um, I can't remember what one it would be. I remember, like, I was on the scene coming into, like, like I said, with the Domi stuff, uh, the first fight, uh, the rematch, and then how many after that. I know the Crowder stuff was going on around the same time. That was a big deal. Like, I go with all the hype, the stuff that he, not that he ever lost sleep over it, but that he gave it a little bit more thought than usual. Those are the fights that I recall. Right, yeah. That's, geez, you're in my notes over here. I was going to ask you if there was any, like, how would it be kind of leading up to those fights with Bob, you know, like with Domi and Crowder? Because those were, in the hockey world, I mean, back at that time, it was like a pay-per-view event. It was talked about in newspapers and TVs and everything like that. You know, Probert versus Domi, the rematch. Probert versus Crowder, the rematch. Um, so I was going to say, like, was it, was it hard for him kind of at home before, you know, those games and kind of getting ready for it at all? 
You know what? It wasn't, I, I, I've said this before and I'll say it again because it just really was who Bob, that's who Bob was, that he didn't live and breathe it. And he, um, you know, if, if it was after a game or whatever, we would discuss the game on the drive home and that's pretty much it. If sometimes if it was something he'd want to discuss a little bit longer, but the next day it would be business as usual and concentrating on the next game. But the Domi, that one, I I recall because he prepared for that one and he never prepared for any, nothing like that. He was just really, um, and I think he did lose some sleep over that. I think he was just worried about the title. You know, you can see me doing my little air quotes right there, but, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, the whole belt thing that Tommy did, I think that, that even the Crowder thing wasn't a big thing in our house. Oh, after really? he won. Yeah, it wasn't afterwards and it was done. It was awesome and off to celebrate. And that was wonderful with all our friends and people sending us pictures and, uh, you know, of the fight itself and some really neat like paintings and stuff and art came out of that one with the Crowder one. But no, he didn't uh, freak out. You know, he was um, so calm and cool. And yeah, he just didn't didn't discuss that stuff. It's strange. I know people don't, don't believe me when I say it, but that really was who he was. Well, it's funny because even in like the, uh, you know, he was in the last uh, Gladiators documentary, he was pretty still humble about it, even though, you know, he was the champion and he's always going to be regarded as the champion. He was always really humble. Like, you know, he's just, uh, you talk about it, but he didn't, he wasn't like overzealous about it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, Never. That was really who he was. And I can honestly say that was the first time I ever heard him say something like that he had lost sleep or he was nervous about he never ever showed any signs of that. I, w- I was not clueless. I had no idea. It wasn't, he kept it locked down, that's for sure, because it wasn't something that I saw in him. Right. And you, you know, it's funny you mentioned the Domi fight. I still don't think, I don't, I don't think Bob lost that, that first round still to this day. I think it's more so aesthetics that, you know, Domi happened to cut him. But to this day, I still don't think he lost that first round either. Oh, he so didn't. I know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. But he was bleeding, so it looked bad, and you're absolutely right. And he didn't feel it, but he sure felt the pressure going into the second one, that's for sure. And what, what fight was it? Was it the Crowder fight, or was it the Domi that he stepped back on his stick that was in the, the Crowder first one. fight? That was the Crowder okay. one, yep. Yeah, that wasn't good. <laughs> Oh, well, he got his revenge yep. in that one, too. That was, and that's the funny yes, thing about... Yes, he did. That's yeah, all that matters. <laughs> exactly. That's the funny thing. Every time we talk about, um, you know, I talk about with fellow fight fans and, uh, you know, on, f- like, forums or Facebook groups, you know, Bob, he did lose a couple fights here and there, but he would always come back and get his revenge every single time. So it was like, yeah, and, you could and beat him. players knew that, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, you could beat him, but you're going to pay for Uh-oh. it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, and what a what an event that were you did you happen to be at MSG during that uh that round two with uh Domi? That was the Rangers. Yeah, round you, two? Yeah. At, at were you at MSG? Because no. it was an MSG, oh, I believe. Sorry. I, yeah, I think it was. Sorry about that. I was thinking for some reason you were going to Maple Leaf Gardens that threw me. <laughs> no worries. Um, no, I wasn't. I remember being with a bunch of the girls. We were watching the game, uh, I think at Maureen McCrimmon's house. Pretty sure we used to do that when the guys would go on the road, we'd get together and, you know, have something to eat, a couple of drinks over at a girl's, one of the wives or girlfriend's houses. So we were together. So thank goodness I wasn't alone watching it. That's for sure. Oh man, that place must've been a riot then when, you know, everybody was probably eyes on you or the TV when he dropped the gloves again. Are you kidding? I was so relieved that it happened in the first minute. I was like, <laughs> oh thank God, that's over with. So yeah, it was, um, it was intense. 
I, I had a nervous stomach watching that one and uh, just so relieved when it was over and he did well. Oh, and absolutely. then of course Stevie on the bench really was the icing on the cake. Oh yeah, Stevie, one of the most humble guys, and he's over there doing the championship belt or the WWE belt over back to Domi. Like it's just a classic. You can't beat it. Yeah, it is. It really is. Um, <laughs> so you know, how was it? You know, was he received in Detroit? Like, did did the fans just absolutely love him? Because I, if I recall, um, it might have been the Tough Guy documentary, of course. Um, you know, it always seemed like Bob would be. Like, even if it was freezing cold out, he'd always be signing autographs for fans. Ill, always, always. He loved the fans. It was crazy in Detroit. They they really are a hockey town, and they loved Bob for the most part. There was a couple out there that weren't, you know, he had a few experiences where they weren't too nice to him, especially after his border incident. But um, overall, I mean, he had, we would go home after a game, and we lived about a half hour from the rink. People would follow us home from the ring. Oh my God. People would show up at our door. Oh my gosh! People, girls, women would follow him into the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, it was it was wild. Oh yeah, there were some stories for sure. Good but, night. Uh, diehard fans are good fans. Absolutely, yeah. I'm sure you, it was probably hard to just even go to a restaurant and sit down. Sometimes, of course, you know, trying to, everybody wants to get a picture or something signed by Bob. <laughs> oh yeah, and he was really good. He'd handled it. Um, in a way, especially what later on when we had kids and stuff, you know, I'm out with my family. I'd love to sign or take a picture, but can you just let us finish our dinner? And, you know, or he'd excuse himself and go and take some pictures, but he didn't like to be um, approached at the table, especially when it's like all the kids were around and stuff, but he was never rude about it. He just would be like, Hey, you know, when another time he would get self-conscious if he was outside having smoke, he was a big smoker, so he'd be having a dart, as he would call it, and uh, they, they would want to come up and take a picture. He's like, yeah, I'll be right there. Let me finish this. And he just didn't want to be seen, you know, you know having a cigarette. So, Right. You know, I love the story in, um, in The Last Gladiators where he ended up fighting the trainer because he got caught having a cigarette between like practice or something like that and ended up boxing the trainer inside of the locker room. That's great. Oh, yeah. No, that was when I was Colin Campbell. Oh, was it? I think it was soupy. Yeah, they had it out over something. I don't know. But I know there were players that used to smoke in between periods. Bob was one of them. Oh, yeah. That's well, crazy. Well, yeah, I couldn't imagine. I, I, like, if that happened today, oh, my God. You know, well, everybody now is so focused on either the diet and exercise, everything like that. I couldn't imagine, you know, what would happen if someone got caught smoking in between periods today. Yeah, that would not happen. That would not happen today. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, you know, when you guys got to Chicago, how was that? You know, did – well, actually, before we get to Chicago, um, you know, how special was it that first game back after, you know, some of the incidents that Bob had had and everything like that, and he gets a standing ovation in the Joe? Um, were you nervous at all that, you know, he might not be received too well after, you know, some of the stuff? Um, and so when that happened, did, did that feel pretty good for you that, you know, your husband's actually supported here still and people still love him? Yeah, we weren't married at the time. We were uh, living together. But, yeah, he um... – he was that, I think, was the most nerve-wracking. Going back the first time, he was terrified of how people would receive him, what the response, re- reaction would be, him getting on the ice. And when they went nuts, he actually got teary-eyed. Like, he definitely teared up. And he was so emotional about that. I know you guys talk tough, guys. You don't <laughs> want to hear about a softie. But he really was a softie, and it really meant a lot to him. that he was just blown away by it. And he really was a hum- humble guy. So that response wasn't what he was thinking was going to happen at all so it was uh it was beautiful it was really nice 
Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, people listening, you can go check that out. And they kind of show the clip of that in the, uh, the tough guy, the Bob Probert story. I think it's on Amazon Prime. That's where I've watched it. Um, but you can go check that clip out. And, of course, you know, the Joe just gives Bob a standing ovation. And it's just awesome in his first game back. Um, you know, so going to Chicago, though, you know, how did you like the move there? And did you did you like Bob playing in Chicago or did you miss Detroit? Um. Well, I mean, it was mixed. I was like eight months pregnant with our, our first, and he signed. And it was actually after, um, you know, the big screw up with his contract, and then all of a sudden, now he's a free agent. And we were up at the cottage, and we got the call from his agent. Oh, he's a free agent, so you know, Jimmy D screwed something up, so we had to rush home and start, you know, the phone calls. That process of, um, you know, teams. Everybody wanted them. There were a couple teams that I know Toronto was in there. LA, uh, Dallas, the Rangers. Um, but the one thing that he loved, um, he was quite adamant he wasn't going to Toronto. And um, he wanted to play for an original six team, and Chicago was his second favorite city other than Detroit. So it was a, and the meetings went well, and everything, it just the, the pieces fell, you know, into place perfectly at that time for us. And um, I think that the fact that it was four hours away from home for a drive, so. It just made sense, and and Big Bob was really into the whole like the original six thing, the history of hockey and stuff. That meant a lot to him, so I think he was pretty excited to put that jersey on. Going there is it's so different. It was so different than Detroit. Detroit has some great sports teams and everything, and uh, great city, but Chicago, you're there, you're completely. Uh, it's very private. Uh, the Blackhawks, I think, out of all their sports teams, were at the bottom of the list. <laughs> you know, you had the the Bulls were, you know, you get Michael Jordan and all their championships. And then there's the Bears and you got two baseball teams and everything else going on. So, yeah, the Hawks kind of blended in there. But um, And then with all the celebrities living in that city. So you can really walk around that town and people stop you, but not like Detroit. And not like Toronto, Montreal is the same way. So it was kind of nice having that privacy. Absolutely, yeah. It's funny because I, I went to go visit Chris Nyland up in Montreal, and I can't. He's still treated like royalty up there. <laughs> I, okay, that's knuckles of all course the time. He yeah. is. <laughs> <laughs> right. Every. I mean, we'd go places, and you know, I can't thank him enough for inviting me up there to go stay with him. But you know, we'd be going places, and no matter where we went, it'd be. Oh, there's Chris Nyland. Can I get a picture and this and that? And he would sit there and take <laughs> pictures every single time. So I can't, you know, it's yeah. it's, it's got to be kind of a relief, I guess. You know, you can kind of go about your own business and maybe not getting stopped all the time. And I'm sure Bob kind of liked that too, because like you said, he was a family man. So um, that's got to be good playing in up there in Chicago. But you know, what, one thing I want to ask you too is, you know, his birthday had just passed and all over Twitter, there's a bunch of love for Bob, of course. And even former players with guys like I've seen Ronick, Domi, uh, Kelly Chase, guys like that, you know, how, how close was Bob to those guys after, you know, he re- hung up the skates and retired? Um, not really close. Oddly enough, I think that the thing was with, uh, retirement, each guy, you know, handles that differently. And Bob really pulled back. And unfortunately, it's well documented. That's when Bob relapsed and he went into his own little dark hole. So he kind of fell off the map for a little bit there. But when he and these guys would always check in on him. Uh, but this, it, when he finally came through that, that's when the players started reaching out and he reciprocated. And then, you're, you know, 
talking to these guys and then you're getting, you're getting going with the alumni games and you're getting involved in all that. And that's what really helped Bob was because, you know, it's tough for these guys retirement. Some handle it so much better than others. And, um, yeah, Bob really struggled with that, having a purpose, right. And everything he was accustomed to for how long. So, um, it was difficult. And then, like I said, with, uh, it was Doug Gilmore, um, I'm trying to think, Chelly always stayed in touch, Tony Amani. There was a bunch of guys that uh, would reach out and just kind of keep, you know, track of what he was up to. And when the time was right and he got cleaned up, that's when they invited him out. And that was really important for him. He needed that. He needed to be with the guys and the part of a team. And it was alumni. And you could just see it in his face. He just lit up as being with the guys and talking to them and then doing the Battle of the Blades with Ty. I mean, all, all the guys, like they just, once they retire, it's pretty awesome to see. I mean, some of the guys even are friends while they're playing. You, They might be opponents and they might beat the crap out of each other. But, um, you know, it says it everywhere and it's true. They'll go out, you know, pat on the back, go out for a bite to eat after, a beer, whatever. And, you know, business as usual. Right, yeah, it's that's what I always hear is it's got to be kind of hard, that transition out of pro hockey, because, of course, you know, you go out there and you're playing in front of 15,000, 20,000 fans, and then one day it all just stops. So it's got to be kind of hard at first, and then maybe getting involved in alumni, like you said, would help. And um, it's good that it helped Bob. But real quick, i got to ask, how funny was it seeing Bob in Battle of the Blades? Oh, my gosh, I have no words. <laughs> I, I wish you could have been there when I got the phone call when he got voted off and he was the first one voted off and he was devastated. I started laughing and I didn't mean to, but I'm like, oh, honey, you're not a figure skater. I didn't know what to say. I'm like, okay. He wanted to stick it around, stick it out because he was so competitive. But I'm like, yeah, you know, you're just not graceful. You tried, though. You gave it your best. What can you say? But it was a, a good time. He had fun doing it. <laughs> that's awesome yeah it's funny seeing of course him and ty and you know they go from you know punching each other in the face and msg to figure skating and doing all these crazy moves <laughs> um oh yeah so i gotta ask as well because i myself you know is a uh, i'm a i'm a former marine and i know bob was always active as far as going over and visiting the troops actually my favorite picture i've ever seen of bob all of his there's all of his fight pictures and of course everybody's seen those all of his fight videos and the favorite one I still have seen um, I think it might have been it was somebody in the the Bob Probert fan page on Facebook there they posted it but it was Bob and he's just in like a t-shirt shorts Crocs boonie hat like a PX bag and I was just started <laughs> laughing because I was like I know exactly how that feels that's exactly what you do over there so that's still to this day my favorite picture of Bob but you know how how cool was it you know seeing him involved with the troops and everything like that. Oh my gosh. It was, what an experience for him. What an experience for us. I'll never forget the first year that he went over to Afghanistan. And, um, everything was so quiet, you know, with the planning and getting them over there and getting them into Kandahar, all that stuff. Like it was like, Oh my goodness, top secret. Right. So then he finally gets there and he calls me and he tells me about this horrifying the way they had to land the plane and this there's a special name Hutchie, Dave Hutchison remembers it perfectly and he can give you the play-by-play but just hearing Bob describe this and you could hear the sheer terror in his voice it was you know he was scared and he loved meeting the guys he wanted to hang out and he traded off all of the hockey equipment to the troops for their equipment so I have tons of fatigues and helmets and the bags and you name it because that's what he would do and he'd sit and talk to them and trade that you know his gloves off or 
whatever he brought over with him. And he would end up the second time and, you know, he'd go over, he'd bring more stuff because he'd want to do that. But he just loved and really enjoyed talking to them, hearing more of their stories. They wanted to hear his stories, but he wanted to hear more about what they were doing and, uh, you know, going out in the field and whatever, they would take him everywhere and up in the helicopters and stuff. And I think the icing on the cake for that one was when General Rick Hillier um, wanted to talk to me. So Bob was with him and passed the phone and the general gets on and he thanks me for allowing Bob to go out there, which was, oh my goodness, what do you say to that? Like, okay, thank you for your service and protecting our country. Like, he's just over there to cheer some guys up. But oh my goodness, it was it was life-changing for our family, for Bob especially. And uh, just that whole experience, oh, he never, he raved about that. And to this day, even when Dave Hutchison comes down for the ride every year, he'll share stories. And there's new stories I've never even heard of the stuff that was going on over there. So it was, it's, it was amazing. Yeah, it's awesome. Like I said, it's still my favorite picture. And I know uh, him and uh, Chris Nyland, I know uh, they were both over there. And uh, Chris Nyland was big into that and uh, doing all the stuff with the troops and everything like that. So it's awesome. And, um, you know, it really does boost morale over there. I'll tell you that much because, you know, you're in these these crazy places. And luckily for me, I was never I never got deployed to combat. We were supposed to go and then we ended up getting pulled two weeks before our leave date. So um, I guess it's a blessing and a curse. But, you know, stuff like that really does boost morale for troops over over there because you know you're sitting around most of the time in these like tin cans not doing anything you have no service uh you know nobody to talk to from back home unless it's like by snail mail so uh the fact that bob even did that is just awesome and that he enjoyed it and asking troops about them and of course i'm i'd be the same way i'd be like i'd want to just ask bob a million questions i'm sure (laughs) if he was over there um but no just the fact that he was over there and you know raising morale is just awesome um so, you know, what an experience yeah. that had to have been. It, it really was, and he was proud to do it. But like I said, I think he looked at it as an opportunity just to go and be with these, you know, the troops and to be a part of it and just to shake their hands. He just, oh, I just wish you could have heard his voice over the phone. Like He sounded like a kid at Christmas. He was just so excited, so honored to be there. It was uh, quite an experience. For sure. Um, and, you know, some funny things that Bob did, he, of course, he did the Battle of the Blades, but he also did like WWE for for a quick time <laughs> on one of them. How funny was it seeing Bob out there doing that? Of course, he's always got the, the championship belt with Domi and everything like that, but now he's actually in the WWE. <laughs> so how was it seeing Bob in he that? Loved doing that stuff. That is so funny. We just watched that on YouTube the other day. The kids <laughs> had never seen that or they don't remember seeing it. And I still have the chair that he used. Oh, really? Who did he hit? It wasn't Tank Abbott, was it? I know he's with Ric Flair. I'm not sure. I'm, not, I'm not terribly big into wrestling, but I always know that clip, and it always makes me laugh seeing Proby hitting people with chairs. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, I still have the chair in the house. The kids love it. So, yeah, he had a blast doing that. He loved doing that stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. Um and, you know, a couple more here before we get you on your way. So uh, we got to talk about it. And unfortunately, it was canceled this year. And you and I would talked about it a little bit briefly um, before we got going here. But, you know, the Bob Probert Memorial Ride, you know, for people out there that don't know, tell them kind of what it's about and, you know, what you guys do. Um, it's a poker run. It's a motorcycle rally that we, uh, we've we been doing now for would have been our 10th year this year, um, we usually do it uh, near the end of June, right after the Sunday after Father's Day, uh, to honor Bob's birthday and Father's Day. And something he was an avid rider. He loved his Harleys. Um, 
and uh, he loved to ride. So that was something, you know, right after he passed away, people would call up and, you know, I wanted a golf outing, a golf tournament or this, that, and what. And I was saying yes to everything because it really was such an honor to be asked. Um, but Bob hated golf. He wasn't a good golfer. <laughs> it wasn't his favorite thing. There wasn't enough action for him. So that one really didn't make sense. We did it the one year, but it was the um, the team that got together and asked me and supported me and uh, were behind putting this ride together. Because the first couple of years, I was really kind of a zombie, to be honest with you. Um, I, I was involved in, in saying yes or no to things, but I really wasn't as actively as involved as I am now. And uh, I think our first year, we had around six or 800 bikes, and it's grown to, I think, I think our highest, we had close to 1,700 bikes one year. Wow. Uh, last year, we had some iffy weather. One year, we had a torrential downpour, and we still had, that was year five, and we still had a great turnout. But we've managed to raise over $1.2 million for cardiac care services here. There's going to be a clinic that's going up that will be named after Bob. And um, what an absolute honor. And it's my favorite thing to work on because um, I get to talk, to, uh, talk about him. You know, I get to honor him every year. It's awesome. I love it. And uh, everyone around here loves it, too. We always have a good turnout. A bunch of players come out, um, oh, from coast to coast. I'm trying to get Knuckles out. I keep asking him, but it ends up always being on, usually on the draft weekend. So it's tough to get the players out. But the ones that aren't off to the draft or, you know, busy with that, they managed to make it down here. And we've had Zach Cassian as a road captain. Chris Chelios was our first road captain, and uh, every year we've had somebody spectacular lead the way, a good buddy, and they've all had a relationship with Bob. So it's, uh, except for Zach, Zach was our first captain that uh, didn't, he met Bob, I think, as a kid, but that was it, and I think he just developed a relationship with the Probert family. So that was a, a, a no-brainer for us to ask him to lead the way last year. That is awesome that you that you raised like that much money. That's insane. Um, and I, yeah, you're in, again. You're in my notes over here. Um, I, I was gonna ask about if because I thought I remembered seeing an article or something. Um, you know, back a few months ago that they were gonna build like a hospital or um, something like that and name it after Bob. So that's awesome that they're actually doing that. Um, and mm-hmm. didn't wasn't Scott Parker one of the uh, one of the captains one year? Yes, we had the sheriff here <laughs> two years ago. That was awesome. He, him and a, a radio personality in Detroit work state. We have two now. There's so many awesome people that I want to get out every year. So now we're doing two road captains. So we had Meltdown and uh, the Sheriff the one year. Um, we had, oh, DMAC was year five. We had Darren. And, uh, yeah, so we've had a few enforcers in the lineup. Yeah, but having Scott tell his story of first fight, I don't know if you got a chance to hear that. It was hilarious the first time they fought. So having him tell his story is awesome. Have you had him on this? Has he no, done the I podcast have not. with you yet? I would love to get Parker on here though. He's hilarious. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He's a funny guy and he's got some great stories to tell. And I, I know when he was coming into the league, Bob was getting nervous. <laughs> Cause that was the end. <laughs> he was coming into the league and Bob's like, you know, winding down it's like oh my god these young guys are getting taller bigger faster stronger it was uh quite intimidating that's for sure yeah absolutely yeah that's when parker was coming in that's when they all started kind of getting that everybody was like six six and you know 250 pounds coming into the league so it was oh yeah it was crazy but bob bob got him that's for sure <laughs> he, he definitely got he him he did he did yeah 
he did. <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's also another thing too. Scott Parker, I know he does Parker's platoon out there, so he does stuff for the troops as well. So that's awesome that everybody's kind of involved in that. You know, you got kind of this. Well, it's it's grown especially, like you said, it's up to seventeen hundred bikes now. It's grown exponentially over the past ten years. So that's awesome that you guys are doing that and everything like that. And um, you know, I know Bob would probably appreciate it too because of course you always see any pictures of him not playing hockey. He's always got the leather jacket and it's you and him posing by the Harley or whatever. So I'm sure Bob oh, yeah. would love it too. Oh, definitely. And this year we were doing his second favorite thing was his classic cars. He had a bunch of fantastic old cars. He loved to restore the old muscle cars and the, all the cars that I mean, we had like six of his cars that I sold after he passed away. Cause I cannot wrench these things. I can't take care of them. So that made no sense whatsoever. And they stayed within the family. So a few of them went out to some uh, former teammates and they're all over the place and they were all going to come back together for year 10. We were going to do a classic car show along with the ride. So uh, yeah, Bob's two favorite things right there, the muscle cars and uh, old cars and his bikes. That is awesome. Um, you know, real quick, yeah. one last question I'll ask you here, and uh, I might know the answer to it, but uh, just just to get your your side of it, but what is your favorite? Do you have like a favorite fight that Bob was ever in? Do you have one that, you know, sticks out that you enjoy the most? I mean, as crazy as that may sound watching your husband fight, but do you have one that sticks out in your mind as your favorite? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the no-brainer one easily is the, the Domi rematch. Right. That was awesome by far and everything that he worked hard for and he was training for, I saw him right out of the gate doing all the stuff that he was doing at home. So that was really exciting. But my favorite was Marty McSorley, February 4th, 1994. Ooh, that's a good one. That was the beauty one right there. You, I love that one. Were, so did you, did you watch that one on TV? I was in my seat, section 119, no, oh, 101, wow. row 19. Yes. Yeah, I was sitting right there. I was pregnant with my with Brogan <laughs> our first, and I was on my seat. It was awesome. Yeah, it was that something was a, to see that one. That's still regarded. Well, it's funny because you always talk about the greatest hockey fights of all time, and you get it's always Probert and Domi or Probert and McSorley. Those are always in contention for like the one of the top fights. And that yeah, that was a long one. That was a marathon. I couldn't believe how mm-hmm. long that fight is. What's your favorite fight? My favorite fight of Bob's. Yeah. Oh man. Didn't he have some, he had some good ones with Craig Cox? Yeah, he did. That's what I was just thinking of was the Craig Cox fight. Because both those fights, and that was his first, it was his first pro fight was against Craig Cox, and it was a doozy. Yeah. And I remember Cox was almost hanging on by the end of it, and Bob is just feeding uppercuts to him. I was like, it's like, oof. Ooh, like everyone lands, it's like you just cringe a little bit more. But man, yeah, so I'd have to say probably, probably the Craig Cox one, probably round one, because that was his first fight, and it was. Like, he just came into the league and took it by storm after that because to this day, I don't think anybody has dominated. Because, of course, you know, when Bob, you know, was getting in his later years in Chicago, he might not have been quite the champ, but nobody's dominated as long as Bob did in the league. And you'll never see something like that again. So I guess I'll say the Cox fight because that was the start of it all and, you know, something that will never be replicated in hockey again. I have to agree. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And the same thing, like you're saying, like in the – by the time Bob got to Chicago, yeah, things were winding down. Some new guys were coming up and everything, but things were already started, like started to change as far as the enforcer role I found. That yes. was slowly, you know, changing near the end of Bob's career, obviously. And now I don't even really watch hockey anymore, I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> I, don't, I don't either. I haven't watched a game in about two years. Well, I, I go with my father-in-law when he invites me because we got the lightning down here, but it's a snooze fest. I don't, I don't watch it anymore, <laughs> honestly. Um, oh no. 
Um, well, one last thing, too, I just got to get out there for the folks, and I'm sure you know that it's going on, but of course, run by my good buddy Darren at Fourth Line Voice is the fourth annual Bob Probert Invitational, and I know you even partake in voting in it. I totally do. I love it. <laughs> I crack it up. I get right in there. And uh, that's really exciting. Who puts that together? That's Fourth Line? Yep, Fourth Line Voice, uh, Darren. He's the other Enforcer podcast. And, you know, I'm actually interviewing him about Probert tonight, too. So when I get this special out, I'm going to interview him, and it'll be uh, a couple of you guys together on this episode. But, yeah, I'm interviewing him. Oh, I'm putting... fantastic. Tell him I say hi. Yes, I'm an avid follower of that one, too. And yeah. uh, doesn't he, he have the latest one out, doesn't he? Yep, yep, it's up right now. And I, think yep. it's, I think we're on to round two now, I think. Um, and okay. so it's Good funny, you still, you, still get people, you still get people that ask, you know, oh, where's Bob Probert? Like, well, we can't put him in. He's going to win the whole damn thing. Like, you can't put him in there. <laughs> he's going to win every time. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> no, I love that he's not in there because I love seeing all these other names. And I'm like, well, this is a no-brainer. This one's easy. It's got to be this. <laughs> and uh, zipping through the, the voting, I love it. Absolutely. Well, Danny, I can't thank you enough for coming on to the show and giving us a little bit of a little bit of proby talk. You know, he's still going to be one of the greatest of all time. And in my opinion, I still think he should be in the Hall of Fame. And, you know, I, I still want to see his numbers retired in Detroit. Unfortunately, I don't think it'll ever happen. But, you know, it won't. <laughs> uh, it's, it's unfortunate. But, you know, thank, thank you, you for, for saying on. that, though, because I love it. And I love that you, you know, the thought of him being in the Hall of Fame. That's awesome. The thing is, that, you know, we have the last puck from the goal. I guess that's the closest thing he'll have at the Hall if I put the puck there. Oh, well, there you go. At least he's got the something last in there. Bullet, meet the Leaf Gardens. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's just a shame the league won't put guys like, you know, Bob in there as far as the fighters and everything like that, which I get understand why, but I think they should make a separate wing for enforcers personally because they gave so much to the game and their team and everything like that. <clears throat> well, I have to agree. Well, thank you for that. Um, absolutely. Well, there you have it. The queen, Danny Probert on the Five for Fighting podcast. Thank you for coming on. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Well, you have yourself a good night. All right, Danny? Okay, thanks. You too. Bye. You got-